Hi, I'm Perry, and this is the Beauty Brains. Hello and welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 220. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and today is a solo show. Valerie is off troubleshooting production challenges. Ah, the exciting life of a cosmetic chemist. It involves a lot more than just mixing up chemicals in a lab. Now, since it's a solo show, I thought I'd experiment with something a little different. So instead of just answering random questions, which, of course, we very much appreciate getting. In fact, if you would like to get your question answered on a future show, you can do that by recording a voice memo on your smartphone and then emailing it to us at thebeautybrains at gmail.com. Anyway, instead of going through and just answering questions, I want to try to use today's show as a way to educate you as a beauty shopper. And I want to arm you with what I'm calling the Beauty Brains BS Detector. Whenever you're out there making beauty product choices, I want you to consider these things before you make that purchase. The beauty product marketers are savvy and they really have very specific ways of tricking you into spending your hard-earned money on what they're selling. That's not to say that the products aren't helpful or even fun to use, but more often than not, they are really trying to trick you into spending more money for a product that is only equal to or maybe even inferior to one that costs a lot less money. So here are just seven tricks that you can look for that cosmetic marketers use to get you to spend more money for products that overpromise and underdeliver. They should all set off alarm bells in your brain whenever you see or hear them about a product that you're interested in. All right. These are cosmetic marketing tricks that are costing you money. Number one, natural nonsense. Now, companies that claim their products are natural are being dishonest. Now, I'm not claiming that they are lying directly. They actually might believe that they are producing natural products, but they're just wrong. Cosmetic products are not natural. There are no body wash bushes or lipstick trees. You can't walk into a field of moisturizer stalks and pick off a, a ripe anti-aging elixir. It just doesn't exist and the notion of natural cosmetics is just a fallacy. All cosmetic products are processed in some way. They are not natural. Now, you see, the whole notion of natural came to the cosmetic industry from the food industry. Actually, a lot of trends that happen in the food industry get adapted into the cosmetic industry, sometimes successfully, sometimes not successfully. Anyway, in the food industry, natural actually makes a lot of sense. There are natural foods and there are processed synthetic foods. You can pull an apple from a tree and eat it. It's actual food that grows out in nature. 
but you can't pull a Twinkie from a bush and eat it. You can't dig up a Twinkie or a candy bar. These things are processed synthetic foods that are made in laboratories, in production facilities. So natural food, that makes a lot of sense. Synthetic food, that also makes sense. These make sense as categories, as ways to uh, categorize the different products. This one is right from nature, this one is synthetic. It all makes sense in food. But in cosmetics, this makes no sense at all. You see, all cosmetics are processed. So companies who tell you their products are natural, they're misleading you. They are trying to trick you. They want you to buy their product because they know a lot of people just believe that natural things are safer and more effective while synthetic things are cheaper or more dangerous. This belief about natural being better is just wrong, but it's even more dubious when cosmetic companies try to apply it to their products. The fact that a company claims their product is natural should never be a reason why you buy their product. Their products are not natural and they're not safer. They are misleading you and so you have to consider why you are buying a product. You should never buy a product because it claims it's natural. Look for a claim that inspires you beyond it being natural that makes you want the product. That does lead us in to our number two thing to look out for. This is the Clean Beauty Con. Now this one actually is related to the first one. Clean Beauty really started because if you were trying to follow a natural and no synthetic ingredients formulation strategy, it's really hard to make products that actually work as well as the synthetic. Synthetic cosmetic products, look, the reality is they just work better. So since natural products weren't working as well, companies figured they'd come up with this clean beauty. So you get all the benefits of natural, but you get the functional benefits of synthetic. If a company is telling you in their advertising that they are a clean brand, however, you can bet that they're trying to trick you. Brands that call themselves clean beauty or that follow clean beauty standards are just trying to mislead you. They want you to think that the fact that they avoid certain ingredients means that their products are safer than products that don't avoid those ingredients. This is an inherent lie. These products are not safer. In fact, since they use less proven preservative systems, I would argue that these products are actually more dangerous to the consumers. It's not a coincidence that the FDA has seen an uptick in complaints about contaminated, microbe-infested batches of products just when many companies have been moving away from um, functional preservatives to alternative, maybe less effective preservative systems. It's not a good situation for consumers. However, what I find most troubling about the clean beauty movement is that now big companies are getting in on the action. I just saw a commercial, it really bugs me. I saw brands like Pantene and L'Oreal advertising that they don't contain parabens or sulfates or other perfectly fine safe ingredients. You know, now we have big corporations propagating this chemophobia and really charging more for products that might not work as well. 
it's very, very troubling to me, especially when the big companies get involved with this kind of nonsense. And, and they know it's nonsense. They know that their products that they, the standard products that they produce are perfectly safe. They're, there's nothing more safe about their clean beauty products than their standard beauty products. I mean, if there were, why are they still producing those standard beauty products? It's very telling that they haven't replaced them all with, quote, clean beauty. In reality, the clean beauty trend is just beneficial for marketers. You see, you as consumers are getting products that usually don't work as well, and they may even be safe to use if you're following clean beauty. Oh, well, and you also probably get to pay more money for it. So if you're looking to buy a product and they are claiming clean beauty, I say run away. But at the very least, take a look at what the product is claiming that it does besides being clean beauty. Clean beauty provides no benefit. You, it, It's not beneficial for consumers at all. The products are not safer for you and your family. Uh, they just aren't. And so if you strip away the idea of clean beauty, what is left? What is the compelling reason to buy that cosmetic product? If you ignore all the clean beauty claims, would you still want to buy that product? Ask yourself that. There should be something more to the product than just, well, that is clean. All right, number three. This is the salons and spa brands secret. I'm going to let you in on an industry secret that really can potentially save you a lot of money. Salon brands aren't better than drugstore brands. Products made by dermatologists are also not better. These cosmetics brands do not have access to some special technology or to some special grade or raw material that drugstore brands can't get. They all use the same quality of ingredients. They all hire cosmetic chemists to put formulas together. And they all use the same suppliers. And there is not some special salon brand grade of a material. There just aren't. This is a myth that is propagated by people who financially benefit from getting you to buy their product. Now, the reason salon or spa brand products and dermatologist-endorsed brands cost more is because of marketing. It's not because of the ingredients that go into the product. Now, this is in no way to imply that these products aren't good products. There are perfectly good salon brand products or spa brands or things put together by dermatologists. I'm sure the formulators and chemists who work on these brands do a great job of making really great products. But what I object to is the way that these things are marketed. There is nothing special about the category of salon products or spa products that would warrant you spending extra money on them. Now, if you like how your salon brand works and you want to support your stylist who likely earns a commission when you buy products from them, go for it. However, you should do it with your eyes open. You could be getting results that are just as good and, and maybe even better with the much less expensive drugstore brand products. Which brings us to the marketing trick number four that is costing you money. I call this the pricing ploy. If there's one thing that you remember from this episode or any of the episodes of The Beauty Brains, I really want you to incorporate this into your thought process. It's this. 
The price of a cosmetic product does not reflect how well it will work. Let me say that one more time. The price does not reflect the performance. Expensive products do not work better than inexpensive products, necessarily. Now, individual products might work better than other individual products, but as a category, just because something is a cosmetic product and it costs more, does not mean it's going to work better than something that costs less. Sometimes the inverse is true. Now, while there is some minimum price, which you probably shouldn't go under, I mean, it does cost something to make good products, there is not some higher price that will make a product work better. In general, a $100 skin moisturizer is not going to work better than a $10 skin moisturizer. I know the numbers might seem like it, but they don't. Those $100 moisturizers don't cost 10 times as much to produce as the $10 moisturizers. Now, they might cost a bit more because of bulk raw material costs, but it certainly isn't 10 times more. And you, as a consumer, are not getting 10 times the benefit of something that costs 10 times as much. But cosmetic companies know that programmed in the brains of most consumers is the notion that a higher price equals a better quality. And in some areas, this may be true. I mean, flying first class costs more, and while well, I've only done it once, it was certainly much nicer than coach. However, this thinking shortcut is not true when it comes to cosmetic products. The cost of the product is rarely related to how much it costs to make. Now, if you wanna save money and still find products that work great for you, look out for this pricing ploy. The best strategy, I always tell people when you're looking for beauty products to use, start with the least expensive product that solves the problem that you're looking to solve. Now, if that product doesn't work for you, then go up to the next highest cost product. And in doing that, you're going to optimize the amount of money you spend on a product while getting the maximum benefit. Now, hopefully you'll find something that works for you at the best price for you, and that'll save you a lot of money. Okay, number five, I like to call this one the advertising antics. There are a number of tricks that cosmetic companies do in uh, advertising to convince you to buy their products. One of the worst, in my opinion, is the before and after pictures. Now, pictures can be very compelling because our minds you know, weigh highly evidence that we see with our eyes. But when it comes to advertising, this trick is really costing you some money. Even before the invention of Photoshop, photographers were able to do tricks that make differences in before and after pictures compelling. I mean, just doing a, a slight change in the lighting can make a wrinkle look really bad versus really disappeared. Today, however, it's even more simple. I, I think if you see a before and after picture in an ad, what is that is telling you is that this company is willing to trick you. You should automatically just assume that any before and after picture is a fake. Um, don't use that as any compelling evidence for anything. Now, it might not be fake, but the vast majority of times is that I would guess it is. 
A company would never show you a before and after picture where it didn't demonstrate some benefit. They just, they just wouldn't show you. So the only thing you see are photos that would con be convincing. And a lot of times those photos are faked. Another advertising trick is when companies make numerical claims. Now, these numbers can sound really impressive. For example, there is a hair care brand that, at least they used to, claim that they could make your hair 10 times stronger. And no doubt, they came up with some lab tests that could demonstrate that they weren't lying. They could prove that claim. At least they weren't lying directly. But the reality is no shampoo or conditioner or treatment is going to make your hair 10 times stronger. Now, you might indirectly see less hair breakage when you comb it, but this isn't because the fibers are stronger. It's because you have a conditioner on and the, the comb slips through better. Whenever you see a numerical claim in an ad, you should be highly, highly suspicious. Just ask yourself, what does that number even mean? What does it mean to have hair that is 10 times stronger or your skin is seven times more moisturized? People, marketers throw out these numbers because the numbers uh, trigger something in your brain, some logic portion of your brain that says, well, that number is higher than that number. That must mean it's better. It's kind of how pricing works, I guess. But if you stop and think about it, what, what specifically would you notice if your hair was 10 times stronger? Does that mean you could, uh, you know, pull, pull a car with your hair at 10 times stronger? Could you use it as a, as a rope? No. Uh, if you just take a quick check on what these numerical claims really mean, that will help you see through this advertising antic and maybe save yourself some money. You shouldn't let uh, dubious claims drive whether you're going to uh, buy a product or not. That brings us to number six. I call this the influencer advice. When social media first appeared, it started out as regular people posting stuff about their lives so other people could kind of look in and see what was going on. I used to enjoy putting up on Facebook every day, you know, I was doing this, I was doing that. And then I got older and got bored with it. Uh, but it turns out some people were just really more interesting than others. So they got more fans and followers than other people. But once advertisers realized that these social media stars could help them sell products, the social media influencer was born. Now, what may have once started out as an unbiased, honest advice, it's now become obscured with this advertising of brands. If someone is popular, your favorite social media friend is very likely getting paid by a company to tell you what product you should use. There's a whole thing called in the, the online market called affiliate marketing. So, and the beauty brands have used this uh, for some of the traffic on our websites. I've kind of tried to get away from it, but uh, it's the advertising model. That's how it works. But an affiliate program is this. Say uh, you have a mention of a product and then there's a link to get more information about that product. So you click on that link, you as the consumer, you click on that link and that takes you to a web page. Well, the, the web page knows where you came from, the link you went through. And if you go through and buy a product, this is how Amazon makes money. If you go and buy a product, the person whose website sent you to that product will get a small percentage 
of the uh, the money that you spent there. So if from the beauty range you click on and you go to Amazon and then you buy uh, a new computer, uh, the beauty brands gets credit for that for a portion of that sale and it's a way to monetize your website. So this is how the social media influencers can make money. Now, this is not much different than when a brand pays a celebrity to star in a TV commercial. I mean, I think the biggest difference is that it just costs a lot less money for a brand to pay an influencer than they pay, say, a celebrity. But really, it's no different. When a social media influencer makes more money by getting their followers to buy a product, they have an incentive to get you to behave in a certain way. Their opinions are no longer unbiased and therefore they become a lot less reliable. I mean, maybe they like the product that they tried, they probably had a free sample, but you really can bet if another brand paid them even more money, they'd like that other brand a bit better. Now, if you want to avoid getting duped into buying products that you don't need, you need to take the advice and reviews online of an influencer, just with a grain of salt, they just aren't reliable. Incidentally, it's one of the reasons that we don't take sponsorships on the Beauty Brains podcast here. If we had advertisers paying us money directly, we wouldn't be able to provide you with an unbiased evaluation of the way we look at beauty products. Now, there used to be a character, and you can look her up, who used to call herself the cosmetic cop. And she did she did fine work. She was out there looking out for the consumer. She even wrote a couple of very useful books where she reviewed products. And she gave decent advice. Um, but then she went and launched her own product line. And it's, that pretty much killed the unbiased angle. So you couldn't really rely on her evaluations of products anymore. I mean, she's not going to be able to give you uh, advice about buying something from, I don't know, The Ordinary or Revlon or L'Oreal. Meanwhile, having a competing product in the marketplace, it just has totally ruined the credibility of that expert. Now, it's understandable why influencers do things like this. I mean, it takes a lot of time to write a website or produce a video or record this podcast or any podcast. And it's really hard to make money at it because consumers, everyone accepts, expects the internet to pretty much be free. Websites should be free, videos should be free, podcasts should be free. You know, we, we're certainly not getting rich here over at the Beauty Brains. Now, fortunately, neither Valerie or I are driven primarily by money, so that's why we keep doing this. But, you know, if we took sponsorships and we started promoting that stuff, we have a large enough audience that uh, we would start making more money at it. And it's just not a way that we want to do it because we want to keep the Beauty Brains uh influence free from, you know, sponsorships and things. Anyway, influencers who are trying to make a living doing what they're doing to take sponsored posts, you know, and they're going to have to say things that the advertisers want them to say. Now, it may or may not be what they actually believe is true. I'm sure that someone who says, this is a sponsored post, I got paid to do this, but this is what I really believe. Maybe they really believe it. I don't know but you certainly wouldn't be posting something that you didn't believe in and still taking money for it. 
the reality is money, taking money to pass on a message just biases your information and it's not something that you as a consumer can rely on. I mean, the money is good for the influencer and helps with their livelihood, but from a consumer standpoint, sponsored posts are not good for you. They manipulate you and they don't lead you to necessarily buying the best products. So look out for influencer advice. And the final one, number seven, is the subscription service shenanigans. One of the most challenging problems that beauty companies face is that they need consumers to rebuy products once they run out. Now, companies live or die on the rebuy. Unfortunately, the beauty product consumer, many of you guys are fickle. <laughs> now, you may really like your shampoo or facial cleanser, but then you get to the bottom of that bottle, you know, and you start to get brand curious. You want to see what else is out there. I mean, you like the product, but uh, maybe you might like something else better. And there are so many brands out there that your choice is almost unlimited. So to solve this problem, some brands have come up with the subscription model. You sign up once and then every month or week, you get a new product in the mail like clockwork. Now this will be whether you need it or not, you still get the product. You see, these companies know that if you have a product in your hand that you've already paid for, you're most likely not going to think about buying a product from a different brand, at least until you run out of what you have. And as long as they keep resending you more product and more product that you've already paid for, of course, you won't switch to another brand they prevent you from ever running out and from getting that curious feeling to try something else. Some of these companies also make it really difficult to cancel. And actually, I think one of the real reasons people complained about the Wen hair care brand causing problems with their hair was it wasn't because the product was actually causing real problems, although some people might have had problems with it. I think what really was bad for them was their bad customer service uh, that they made it difficult for you to cancel your subscription. But that's uh, but I digress there. <laughs> if you as a consumer want to save money and avoid getting more product than you really need, don't ever sign up for a subscription service. Beauty products are readily available and they don't need to be automated for you to get a refill. Now it might feel like the subscription is more convenient, but in reality, it's just costing you more money. All right, so there you have it. Seven things for you to watch out for when you're buying beauty products. And let me just summarize them again. First, number one, remember cosmetic products are not natural. Natural beauty products are, are just trying to trick you. Clean beauty products are not more safe. They just aren't. Beauty products are legally required to be safe. So clean beauty actually adds nothing to your peace of mind or to your real safety. Number three is that salon and spa brands are not better. They're good products, don't get me wrong, but don't think that if you're buying a drugstore brand that you're not getting a good product also. Number four is that higher priced products do not necessarily work better. Just remember in beauty products, it's a truism. Price does not equal performance. Number five is you gotta watch out for some of those advertising tricks, those before and after pictures, the graphs that you might see, or the numerical claims. They are all written to trick you into buying a product. Number six, be highly skeptical of the advice 
that you get from people on social media. They're often paid to have those opinions. And finally, never sign up for one of those beauty subscription services. They cost a lot, they're hard to cancel, and you get more product than you actually need. You also don't get to try out products that you might like. You see, we started the Beauty Brains with the goal of cutting through the beauty product marketing hype and helping you to get products that really solve problems and without spending a whole bunch of money. Hopefully knowing these seven tricks that beauty product companies do are going to help you do that and make you more brainy about your beauty. All right, that's gonna do it for me today. Next show, we're gonna have Valerie back and we'll get back to answering your specific beauty questions. Thanks so much for listening. If you get a chance, can you go over to iTunes and leave us a review? That's gonna help other people find the show and ensure that we have a full docket of beauty product questions. Also, follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at TheBeautyBrains2018. On Twitter, we're at TheBeautyBrains, and we also have a Facebook page. One more thing, the Beauty Brains are also on Patreon, so if you want to support the show, Patreon is the best way to do that. This is going to help the, keep the show ad-free and keep that social media influencer bias out of the Beauty Brains, and it's the best way, really, to keep the company financial bias out of the show. It's also difficult for me to go work for brands after all the stuff I've said about cosmetic companies on the beauty brands, but that's okay. I'm, I'm doing all right. So if you like what we're doing and you want to see us keep doing it, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe. All right, that's it for me. I'm Perry Romanowski, and thanks for listening. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. All right, cue the cats. Kittens. <laughs>